Washington Commander family, what is up guys and welcome back to another fire episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast. And like I told you guys in the last couple of episodes, it is draft season. It is draft season. As soon as April was going to hit, our draft coverage was going to pick up because we're going to leave everything from the Washington football team season in the 2021. We're going to leave that in the past. We're going to leave that in the review because come the new league year, come draft season, this is some of my favorite time of the year. We're turning over a new page and figuring out how we can better this roster so we can have a better year than the 2021 season. So as I told you guys, in April, we're picking up this draft coverage and this is episode 49 of the Bleeding B&G podcast. Welcome back, guys. And we're going to call this episode our first draft episode, and we're going to call this our wide receiver rankings, and we're going to call this our first mock draft. So throughout the draft leading up to the draft, throughout the month leading up to the draft, we're going to be giving you guys fire draft coverage, looking at a couple of prospects, giving you guys some fire list rankings, because you know, we, we're independent thinkers over at Bleed and B&G, and we may, be, we may be king of the hot take at this point. So our rankings are a tad bit different, and you know, I've been dropping gems about my rankings over the timeline, over on Twitter, over on Instagram, and things like that, and it's been stirring up quite the controversy, um, and today's, you know, our wide receiver rankings is based off of a position that a lot of people think Washington will go um, with with the first pick, um, the number 11 overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. So, as I do for every episode, I want to give you guys a timestamp. Today is Wednesday, April the 6th, 2022. It's about 8 o'clock p.m., so it's getting a little late. But guess what? We got another fire episode. We're going to bring the energy. Make sure that if you're looking at this on YouTube, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. I'm loving the interactions, and they're picking up over on the YouTube platform. Be sure to like everything. Be sure to comment everything. Be sure to subscribe. Make sure to comment, guys. I love talking to you guys on the YouTube platform. And make sure we keep them interactions going, because that's what I live for over here at Bleeding BNG, especially with the Washington Commander community, meeting new fans throughout the YouTube platform. And if you're listening to this on the audio platform, be sure to rate and review um, on specific apps such as you know Apple Podcasts and Spotify. But let's get into this episode. Let's get into this fire episode. So as I mentioned, the first thing we're going to touch base on is our wide receiver rankings. And like I said, a lot of guys and a lot of girls in the Washington Commander community think that we seem to be going with, um, you know, this is the position that we'll be going with at the number 11 overall pick in the first round. And while I wouldn't mind it, I don't think that it's a guaranteed shoe-in. I do not think that that's a guaranteed shoe-in. And if I was given the percentages, I may lean, you know, 60-40 because Washington does seem to, you know, have their eye on one specific prospect that I'll touch bases on later in this episode who does happen to be a receiver. So they're definitely snooping around the position. And one of the reasons why I wouldn't think that it's necessarily a shoe-in is while I was hot, you guys know, over here at Bleeding BNG, we, we were extremely extremely hard on Deami Brown last year. But I did understand that this is a guy that we brought in to be a deep a deep threat receiver, downfield receiver, and we paired him with a quarterback in Taylor Heineke who couldn't necessarily get the ball downfield. So while, you know, the prospects for Deami Brown at this moment is very low, if you've been checking him out on his YouTube page, you see that he's been working and things like that. So, you know, a third-round draft pick like we spent on Deami last year, that isn't, that isn't you know, Weak draft capital. That's pretty premium draft capital. And like I told you guys in our last episode regarding like a guy like Terry McLaurin, who was also a third-round pick, we expect those guys to produce. So, I mean, while I wouldn't be opposed to a wide receiver being the, there, 
Um, the pick at 11, I just wanted to be the right receiver, and I wanted to be a receiver that's going to come in and make an instant impact to justify uh, taking, you know, taking them over a guy like, or guys that may slip, like Kyle Hamilton, Derek Stingley Jr., and things like that. Those are some defensive prospects that I'm really keen on um, if they're there at 11, and a lot of mock drafts are projecting them to slide, and I think that those guys will be instant imp impact contributors on your defense, but... We're going to talk about that in another episode. Today, it's all about those receivers, baby. It's all about those receivers. So, this is Bleeding B&G's top five with an honorable mention. With an honorable mention. This is Bleeding B&G's top five wide receiver rankings for the 2022 NFL Draft Class. And the reason why I'm only giving you guys my top five with an honorable mention, so technically my top six, is because these are the guys that I think are going to be taken within the first two rounds. There may be some additional guys like a Jahad Dotson, like a Sky Moore, like an Alec Pierce. Um, those guys didn't make our list. So those are the like three other guys that may be drafted within you know the second round and things like that. But this is our top six wide receivers, uh, or our top five with an honorable mention. So checking in at number one, drumroll please, Sign off. Garrett Wilson, wide receiver out of Ohio State. This is a guy who's six feet. This is a guy who's 183 pounds, right at 43840. And surprisingly, surprisingly, even though this is still freakish, this is still very freakish, he had a 36-inch vert. And the reason that I'm saying this is surprising is, guys, I've literally seen Garrett Wilson clear a grown man to catch a football. You guys need to go back and watch that 2019 Fiesta Bowl game against the Clemson Tigers. This man literally jumped over the DB's head to catch a football. And at that moment, this I think I believe this was his freshman year. I was like, bro, this dude has a 60-inch vertical. And while studying him over the, you know, the course of the draft season and things like that and playing that 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 game again, I think that his vertical might be higher than I initially thought. I was like, this dude, this dude, this is Michael Jordan playing basketball. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, please go ahead and check out the YouTube. Garrett Wilson's catch against the Clemson Tigers. It's one of the freakiest catches you'll ever see in your life. Trust me. So the 36-inch break did come as a surprise, but don't think that I'm disappointed because that still is a freakish number. That still is a very freakish number. That's higher than, you know, the NBA average for, you know, vertical leaps and things like that. And let's get into why Garrett Wilson is our wide receiver one. Garrett Wilson is our wide receiver one because he can give it to you any which way. He can give it to you any which way. This is a burner. This is a guy with 4.38 speed. This is a freak. This is a guy that can beat you downfield with the speed, but he can also beat you downfield just jumping over your head. And while you think of a, you know, his measurables at six feet, 183 pounds, while those aren't necessarily dynamite measurables, this is a guy that plays way bigger than his size. Week in and week out. I've seen it for three years at Ohio State. I'm a big Ohio State fan, um, and I've watched Garrett Wilson, you know, really become a superstar really become a superstar before our eyes and like i said he can just give it to you any which way and over here at blue and bng we love guys that can beat you on all three levels whether that be short whether that be intermediate and whether that be deep and, and like i told you gary wilson can give it to you any way you want pick your order pick your order you want number one number two number three like you at mcdonald's i love this guy i love this guy the 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 rack the yards after the catch he's dynamite he almost is never brought down by the first person. And that's not even being physical. He's just almost making every first person miss. The jump cuts, the acceleration, the, everything is beautiful. And I also think that he has the potential to be the best route runner coming out of this class. 
Now, while I will give the nod to his teammate Chris Olave right now, the reason that I say that is because the physical traits are there. And then when you're comparing him to a guy like Olave, while Olave may be a more refined, you know, route router and things like that, I think Gary Wilson arguably, arguably has the best release package in the draft class, in the entire draft class. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about when I say release package, it's how you get off of the ball. You know, do, do you let a DB touch you? And, guys, it was this release that Gary Wilson had against Merlin this season. Go back and watch it. It was on the two-yard line where, you know, like I told you guys, like I mentioned before, in the red zone, it gets icky. It gets unchy in the red zone. It's very unchy in the red zone where the windows are tight, where you can be more physical, where you have opportunity to get more physical because the refs are really keying in on the ball and things like that. When, when I tell you when this Merlin cornerback did not lay a finger on Garrett Wilson from the two-yard line, and it was one of the easiest touchdown passes C.J. Stroud has ever had to throw, just go back and watch it. Just go back and watch it. It was disgusting. It was disgusting to say the least. And like I said, this is a guy who's, who's he's a freak. That was his nickname at Ohio State. And he's, he, this isn't no small school guy. So this is a guy that's amongst freaks and earns the nickname the freak. So you got to know he's a, type, he's a different type of beast. And if you've been following us over here at Bleeding B&G, um, over there on our social media pages and things like that, you know this is a guy that we compared to Odell Beckham coming into the league. And I know that is very high acclaim because Odell Beckham arguably had the best, you know, two, three-year start to a career for an NFL wide receiver. And while I'm not really talking about the production, I'm talking about the, the play style. I'm talking about the physical attributes. Like, Odell Beckham was a guy who, you know, even though he's 5'11", when he was brought in earlier in his career before the injuries, he's a guy that can beat you any which way. He's a guy that can take a, a, a slant 80 yards to the house. He's a guy that, that can throw the deep ball that might be covered, but it's going to jump over your head and catch a ball with three fingers. And this is the type of freakish ability that I see from Gary Wilson. Odell Beckham is a, an amazing route runner. We never considered him the best route runner in the league. But when you consider his shiftiness, his footwork and things like that, he's top tier. He's top tier, just like I think Gary Wilson has the potential to be. While I do think he kind of oversells some of his fakes and things like that on his route running, I do think he can become a more refined route runner. Once he hones that in, he'll be the best route runner in his class. Trust me. Trust me. Because the suddenness, the shiftiness is, is elite. It's elite on the NFL level, and it's the best in his class at the wide receiver position. And we, I felt a little bit validated today. I honestly did. I felt very validated today when I was actually on my Twitter timeline and um, Jordan Reed, no, not the former Washington tight end, um, but, you know, the uh, draft evaluator that now works for ESPN, who I think he was previously with the Draft Network, he said that Gary Wilson is Stephon Diggs. Gary Wilson is Stephon Diggs coming out of Merlin. And I completely agree as far as the physical attributes. And if you guys can remember... Right after Stephon Diggs' combine performance, Daniel Jeremiah over there at NFL Network compared him to who? Odell Beckham Jr. It was Odell coming after his rookie year. Stephon Diggs is a year um, in the class a year after Odell Beckham. And those, all three guys have very similar traits. All three guys have very similar traits. While I do think Garrett Wilson man, ran more of the route tree than Stephon Diggs at Merlin, they, these, all these guys are freaks. All these guys are freaks, and if I had to, you know, rank them in order of their freakiness, I'd probably give Odell one because Odell makes some of the freakiest cuts and things like that um, in his prime that, you know, I, I've really never seen in my life. 
Odell Beckham is still one of the most talented receivers to ever play in the NFL. Most talented. I'll probably rank Gary Wilson too, and I'll give him the edge over Stephon Diggs as far as his pure athleticism. And that's that's a lot to say. Stephon Diggs just signed one of the richest contracts in NFL history today um, for a wide receiver position, and he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. I don't think anybody would debate that. So if we can get that with the 11th pick and Garrett Wilson, who is our wide receiver one over here at Bleeding BNG, that'll be an amazing pick with the 11th pick in the NFL draft. So moving on to our wide receiver two. This is a guy who was in the ranking for our, number, our wide receiver one for a long time. He was in the running for our number wide receiver one for a long time. And I will admit that, you know, him being injured in January may have knocked him down to number two. But guys, this is still number two. This is still number two. We are still very high over this prospect on this prospect over at Bleeding BNG. And that prospect is Jameson Will Williams. Excuse me. That prospect is Jameson Williams, wide receiver out of Alabama, formerly of Ohio State, um, who transferred to Alabama this past season. Roll Tide. You know, that's our favorite college program. Um, but this is a guy who's six one and a half, 179 pounds. And even though he didn't run the 40 at the combine because of his injury, he tore his ACL uh, in the national championship game. This is arguably the fastest receiver in the class. I project that if he did, if he were to run a forty healthy, I would probably give him the you know high four twos. This is a burner. This is a burner, and this is a guy who played with Chris Olave, as I mentioned, and Garrett Wilson at Ohio State, and just felt like he wasn't getting enough reps. Felt like he could have done better. He was below those guys on the depth chart, but boy, did he blow up. And honestly, he had the best season of any wide receiver in, in the country this year. He had the best season of any wide receiver in the entire country this year, roasted SEC DBs in his first year. And I was honestly surprised to see that he transferred after spring ball. So this is a guy that got acclimated into the Alabama system, became a dog on Alabama within, what, three or four months? That, guy, that has to be accounted for something. That has to be accounted for something. And like I told you, this is, I'm going to call Jameson Williams, Mr. BB. Mr. BB, this guy is speed personified. I, I would love to see what he ran, what would he run um, in the 40 time if he was healthy. This is a dog. This is a dog. And one of the reasons that he's number two on my list behind Garrett Wilson and not number one is because, you know, while I, while I don't necessarily trust the Ohio State, you know, depth chart, this is the same school that, you know, allowed Dwayne Askins or Dwayne Haskins, excuse me, to beat out Joe Burrow. Um, I do have questions as to why he couldn't beat out, um, you know, those guys at, you know, Ohio State. And, you know, rightfully so. You know, he's not ranked higher than, James, um, than Gary Wilson on our board. So maybe, you know, he could have been the wide receiver too. But he did, he does, he does edge out Chris Olave in our rankings. So, I mean, I do have questions on that. Um, but, you know, he was playing with talented players. He was playing with talented players. And he showed up with an even more talented team this season with the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, and also a couple of my concerns is like his frail body. This is a guy who's almost 6'2", and he's only 179 pounds. Gives me big Devontae Smith vibes. And one of my biggest concerns with Devontae Smith, and if you guys can remember, we had him behind Jalen Waddle and Jamar Chase. Which a lot of NFL circles did because that's how it fell out in the NFL draft. I told you. We first over here with a lot of things over at Bleeding BNG. So I would behoove you to trust these rankings. I would behoove you to trust these rankings. Um, 
But like I said, um, he gives me a lot of, you know, Devontae Smith vibes with just being a frail body. And I don't know how, you know, how much of a refined route runner he is. I don't know how good his release package is. If you looked at a lot of his tape over at Alabama this year, he was off the line to give him, you know, an extra two two yards to, you know, work um, his space in front of the DB to get a free release and things like that. So I don't know how good he would be on the line, you know, getting a free release, getting a clean release and things like that. So those will come with my concerns. But those concerns aren't too big because once you do get a free release and if you have that 4-2 speed, unlike Devontae Smith, this is a guy that's going to be gone. This is a guy who was arguably the most electrifying player in the country this year. So, Jamison Williams, dog in our book. Dog. Dog. Now, for our wide receiver number three. Our wide receiver number three. And this is where the list might get a little bit controversial. Because I haven't seen a, another list around. Whether that be in the Washington football team community, Washington commander community, content creator community, the NFL community. I haven't seen a list around rank this wide receiver in the top five. And I'm trying to figure out why. I'm honestly trying to figure out why. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, this player that I'm talking about is wide receiver George Pickens out of the University of Georgia. This is a 6'3", 195-pound beast who had a 4-4 flat in the 40 with a 33-inch vertical. This is a beast. This is a grown man. And guess what? We're not, we're, we're, we don't, we're not prisoners of moment over here at Bleeding B&G. We're not prisoners of recency bias over here at Bleeding B&G. This is a guy that before he entered his ACL um, during spring practice in the 2021 season, he was better than all these dudes. He was better than all of these dudes. Gary Wilson, Jamison Williams, anybody you want to name. He was better than them. He was better than them. Doing it at a younger age. Doing it at a younger age. This is a guy that was born in 2001. He's the second youngest wide receiver in our rankings. And I made a tweet yesterday that said, I don't know who needs to hear this, but George Pickens, greater than, greater than sign, Chris Olave. And you guys tore me apart. You want to know why? Because you become infatuated with these Ohio State wide receivers. But in our rankings, you know, our rankings is, you know, a combination of a lot of things. You know, production. You know, well, how, how, how low a player's floor can be. And ultimately, how high a player's ceiling can be. And I think that George Pickens can have the highest ceiling in, in the entire draft class. This is a guy that I've compared to Devontae Adams. This is a guy who has the best hands in the entire draft class. He is the best natural catcher in the entire draft class. And like I told you, this is a guy who two years ago in 2019, when he was torching SEC DBs as a 19-year-old, as a 19-year-old, no, as an 18-year-old, excuse me, let me give him his credit. When he was torching SECBs at an 18, SECDBs at an 18 year old, he was the widely acclaimed wide receiver one. But I now I see everybody dropping him down his list. Like we haven't seen him return since his injury. But guess what? Like I told you, this is a guy that tore his ACL in the spring and came back to compete for, and to compete in Clemson's championship run. 
I believe he played the last two games of the season. That's freakish healing if we're, if we're being honest with ourselves. Making plays. It wasn't just like he was out there vibing. Making plays. If you guys can't remember the phenomenal catch he made in the championship game, almost like a one-handed somersault. This guy has the highest ceiling of any wide receiver in this entire draft. And y'all are just sleeping on him. And I do not like the disrespect. I do not like the disrespect at all. Because guess what? He was better than all these dudes before his knee injury. And he's showing you he's all the way back because the one concern that I had was his speed coming back from the injury because he wasn't necessarily a blazer. Um, even when he was torching those SEC DBs and fully healthy, 4-4 flat in the 40 at the combine. 4-4 flat at the 40 in the combine. What? What? He should have automatically jumped back into your top five after his combine performance. This is the most natural, most talented wide receiver in this draft cast. And like I told you with Garrett Wilson, we, we love dudes that can beat you any which way. They can beat you at all three levels, short, intermediate, and deep. I believe Garrett Wilson and George Pickens are the only two dudes that do it at all three levels. I don't think Jamison Williams is able to beat you short just yet. He's not that good of a uh, refined route runner yet. The deep ball, though, he got that. But let's get back to George Pickens because I'm going to give this man the respect he deserves. I was shocked when I saw him weigh in at 195 pounds in the combine. But I get it. He wanted to run a fast forward. You want to know why I'm shocked? George Pickens can have a, a highlight reel confirmation of him body slamming corners on one blocking place. This is the most physical blocker in the draft class, along with being the most natural receiver. He can have a confirmation of him body slamming dudes on one place. And he coming in at 195 pounds. I could have sworn he would have played around 215, 220. This is a beast. This is a beast. And I, I told you, I think he has the highest ceiling of any receiver in the draft class. He's the only receiver. Oh, I'll give Garrett Wilson this as well. He's the only receiver that I think can top out at top five in the league status. Those two. Those two. And the reason that he's not number one on our list, even though in, in our hearts he really might be, it's because I just can't justify it off two games. <coughs> Excuse me. Even though he was very productive in those two games, I want to see him return to, and be the beast that he was in the 2019 season. And this is a guy that was doing it with arguably the worst quarterback play on our list. And I say arguably because the next guy on our list can hold that claim as well. And that guy is the 6'5 side scraper, 220-pound Basketball player, beast, Drake London. Drake London. And I was a guy that early in this process wasn't giving Drake London his due respect, and I apologize. We made a tweet about a month ago that said, honestly, Drake London is about wide receiver six in this class, but we've, we've moved him up about two notches. He's coming in at wide receiver four in his list, and the reason that we have is because we watched a little bit more film. 
I thought that Drake London, you know, in the in the film that I watched, and you know, in the games that I watched live with USC playing this year, this is a guy that did get um, hurt. Um, I think I believe week nine. I think he got hurt in week nine. Um, but this is a guy who is a beast. Is a beast. And you know, you hear those measurables at six five and two hundred and twenty pounds, and you think, oh, he has the limited. He runs limited routes, which he does. Which he does, but he honestly runs runs more routes than I initially thought watching him live. This is a guy that has a little bit of wiggle. This is a guy who can beat you in a multitude of ways. I believe he might be the best, you know, run after catch guy in the entire draft at 6'5", 220 pounds, which is insane. Like I told my guys Tay and Todd over there um, with the Tay and Todd uh, Washington Commanders podcast, I said, he don't even truck dudes. They just fall off of him. Like, he's a beast with the ball in his hands, but it's not. It's like he's not even trying. He's just bigger than dudes, and dudes just can't get him down. Now, there are questions about his speed, and as I mentioned, he did have an injury um, late in the season, I think a foot injury that he hasn't fully recovered from. Um, so he hasn't ran the 40, or he hasn't participated in any of the off-season activities, such as the combine or a pro day. Um, but I do believe he's set to have a pro day um, a couple of weeks before the draft once he's fully cleared. But this is a guy, like, he's a beast. He's a beast. And while I was skeptical because, you know, Pac-12 corners, and I haven't really seen a good Pac-12 corner since Richard Sherman, who was a wide receiver half of the time he was in the Pac-12, the, you can't argue with the stats. In eight games, this is a guy that had over 80 catches and 1,000 yards. That's freakish. That's freakish. And I'm I'm, a, I'm I'm accountable to this as well. I'm guilty of this as well. I think a lot of us were getting so infatuated with separators, great route runners and things like that, that we, we lost the fact or we forgot the fact that you can win in more ways than one in the NFL or in football period, especially at the wide receiver position. You can win in more ways than one. Mike Evans was never the best, you know, route runner, was never the best separator, but this is a guy that's going to go in the Hall of Fame. This is a guy set the NFL record for, you know, most consecutive 1,000-yard seasons to start his career. Just to stay in Tampa Bay, Vincent Jackson was a dog when he was in the NFL. Was a dog when he was with the Chargers. Rest in peace. And these are some of the guys that Drake London has similar measurables to. But honestly, I think that Drake London might play the ball in the air better than these guys. Because with his basketball background, this is a guy that had, did a 720 Dunk in a high school dunk contest. A 720 dunk on a dude who ended up choosing football as his first sport. That's freakish. That's freakish. He even got some run with you know, the USA national um, team, junior Olympic team. And like I said, while he may not win separating with you know initial suddenness and things like that, this is the guy who's elite at stacking the DB. If you don't know what I mean, that means once you get by the DB, placing him on his back. So if, in order for him to make a play, he has to run through you, which is going to be a pass interference. He's elite at that, and he's elite at boxing out dudes and using his body. This is a guy who's a stud. And he's also the youngest wide receiver in our rankings as well. Born in July of 2000, uh, 2001, he, along with George Pickens, are the only two receivers in our rankings that will be playing in their age 21 season. Breakout age is something that I'm a huge advocate for. And this is the reason why, you know, Drake London has, you know, 
kicked it up a couple of notches on our wide receiver rankings list coming in at wide receiver four. And checking in at wide receiver five. This is where a lot of the controversy comes in. Because as I mentioned before, this is a player that Washington has seemed to take a real liking to. I believe that he started his two-day visit today. We've seen the videos of Coach Ron Rivera pulling him over after his pro day. We've heard him talk about his relationship with Terry McLaurin. We saw him shout out Terry McLaurin and, you know, his declaration for the NFL draft. And the wide receiver checking in at wide receiver five on our rankings is Chris Olave, wide receiver out of the Ohio State University. This is a guy who's six feet, 187 pounds, who is a burner with a 439-40 and a 32-inch vertical um, jump. So the vertical jump isn't spectacular, but the speed is. The speed is. And as I mentioned to you before, we seem to be very interested in this guy. And while he's not the highest on our rankings, I do think that he's the likely pick at 11 at this point. And I think it's a chestnut checkers play. If you guys can recall, we just did an entire episode on our Terry McLaurin situation. So if you're in hopes of, you know, having a hometown discount or having, you know, your superstar player give you a hometown discount, why not pair him with one of his best friends from college? Along with, you know, pairing him with somebody you already brought in from, co from college with Curtis Samuel. So maybe if a guy like Terry, if all his best friends are in the wide receiver room with him, he's more inept to giving you a hometown discount. That's just a play there. But I don't want this to mean I don't want this to seem like this is like a charity pick at all. Chris Olave is a stud. Don't get me wrong. This is still our top five in our wide receiver rankings. And while I may be lower on him than some, I, I think that he's an extremely good player. I think that he's an extremely good player. And like I told you guys before, at this moment, I think he's the best route runner in the class. Smooth glider. Smooth glider. And I was pleasantly surprised to see him run at 439. This is a guy that's, you know, amazing at tracking the ball. While I won't give it, you know, Deshaun Jackson level type of elite, it's right under that. A deep threat through and through. A deep threat through and through. And I think that he can actually beat you in two ways. Because his route running allows you him to beat you intermediate on digs, outs, and things like that. Ends and things like that. While I do think he may struggle in short routes because while he is a great route runner, I'm not, I'm not the craziest about his release package. You know, some of the fluidity and things like that that he shows in his route running, he doesn't necessarily show in his release package or in his running after the catch, which concerns me a little bit. And while he does have a 4.3940, the athletic profile outside of that is a tad bit limited. A 32-inch vertical leap isn't crazy. He isn't the strongest. His play strength is very weak. He's a finesse player to say the least. And out of the numerous game films that I've watched him, and while it doesn't show up often, because I will admit, once he beats you deep, he's gone. You are not catching him. And it happened over and over and over and over and over again at Ohio State. But when he had to, when at the catch point, I didn't think he could. I didn't think he could, and I, I very rarely saw it, if ever. So his play strength, his physicality are some of the concerns that I have, along with him being the oldest guy on this list so far. 
So this is just a tad bit of the couple of concerns that I have. But this is a this is a great player through and through. So coming in at number five, Chris Olave, wide receiver, Ohio State University. And at number six, this is the last receiver that I think will be taken in the um, first round. This is a guy that was marked to watch it in a lot early um, in the pre-combine, you know, mock drafts and things like that. But after, you know, a poor combine showing and me watching film and things like that, not only I, but guys in the NFL circle um, have, you know, cooled off on, you know, wide receiver Traylon Burks, who is our wide receiver six or our honorable mention um, in our wide receiver rankings over here at Bleeding BNG. This is a guy who's about 6'3", 225 pounds. And the reason that, you know, he's we've cooled off on him over at Bleeding BNG is because while he's exceptional with the highlight plays, his game is just a tad bit raw. And I, I heard him compare himself to a guy like Debo Samuel, who I still believe is raw as, you know, a receiver as well, even though he set the league on fire this year. I don't necessarily see him being used, you know, as a runner like Debo Samuel or being used all over the field as, as Debo Samuel. That in point making him not as, a, as an effective of a player as Debo Samuel. His route running is still a little sketchy. Uh, and then, you know, what concerned me the most is like he ran a four, 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 five, five, forty, which isn't horrible for, you know, a guy almost 6'3", 225 pounds. But the fact that he sat on those numbers and didn't try to run again at the comp, at, at his pro day. And if you saw his reaction for running that time, it was almost like he ran the fastest time that he could run. It's almost like that, that was his fastest time throughout the draft process. And, I, you know, very cynical, I know, but stuff like that, you know, I, I noticed. I noticed. It was almost like he was expecting to run a 4-6, which concerns me a little bit, especially for a guy that wants to compare himself to Debo Samuel. So there it is. Our wide receiver rankings are top five with an honorable mention over here at Bleeding BNG. Please let us know how you feel about this list. Like I said, I know we're over here. Um, our takes are a tad bit controversial, but I promise we don't try to be. We believe everything we say over here at Bleeding BNG. And before we head out of here, we're going to give you our first mock draft um, for the Bleeding BNG offseason to start off this draft coverage. With pick number 11, the first overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft. And I'll, oh, I want you guys to know, I'll put the picture up as well. Um, these picks were made using the Pro, um, Pro Football Network, oh, excuse me, the Draft Network's uh, mock draft simulator. Um, they have a very, um, you know, well put, you know, mock draft simulator where they have almost every prospect in a database and they just have a simulator of how they think the mock draft is going to go. Um, I really like using it. Um, and if you like, you know, if you're interested in the draft and things like that, I encourage you guys to use it as well. But this mock was made using that simulator. Um, so, you know, some players may be available in these picks. Some players may not. Not saying that it's perfect, but it's an amazing tool to use, especially when you're, um, when you like playing with, the, you know, when, you, when you're very infatuated with the draft, like we are over here at Bleeding BNG. So before we get into our mock draft, actually, I want to go over what we think our biggest needs are um, over at Bleeding BNG for the Washington Commanders. I think a middle linebacker is our number one need. I think a middle linebacker is our number one need. After that, receiver, then cornerback, offensive guard, and get you a safety in there if you need to. So those are our five biggest needs from Bleeding BNG for the Washington Commanders going into the draft and to continue out this offseason. So let's get into this pick. Let's head on out. The 11th overall pick. 
Our first round pick, wide receiver Garrett Wilson. I'm not even going to touch base on it too much because I told you how I feel about Garrett Wilson. I told you why he would need to be the pick at 11. Pairing him with guys like Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, De'Ami Brown. You'll, have, you'll instantly have one of the most electrifying wide receiver corps in the entire NFL. Just with the implementation of that wide receiver. Because guess what? And this may be a hot take. He'll step into the room as your most talented wide receiver. Including Terry McLaurin. I didn't say the best. I didn't say the most productive. He'll step into that room as the most talented wide receiver in that wide receiver room. And then a guy like Terry, who we're talking about making max money, making top 10 receiver money, he may fall in line and be your second best receiver if a guy like him, a guy like Gary Wilson uh, pans out. And who is complaining about Terry McLaurin being a wide receiver too? Trust me, I'm not. So, Gary Wilson with our first pick, our 11 overall pick in the first round. With the number 47 pick, this is the pick that we traded with the Colts, that we swapped with the Colts. So, the number 47 pick, which will be in like the middle of the second round. Bleeding BNG has the Washington Commanders taking linebacker Leo Chanel out of the University of Wisconsin. And if you guys can remember from this past college football season... The Wisconsin defense was the best defense in the country from week one, all like from wire to wire, the entire season. And Chanel was the leader of that defense. This is a guy who's 6'3, 250 pounds, and he'll give the Washington Commanders something that they don't have right now. A guy that can come in and be your Mike linebacker, your middle linebacker from day one. Not you trying to force a circle peg into a square hole like with Jamin Davis, like you tried to do last year, putting a well linebacker in the middle. This is your middle linebacker of the future. One of these corn-fed, you know, big Luke Kuechly types like Ron Rivera had in Carolina. One of these corn-fed. I'm sorry, because this is just what I like in my in my in my in my, in my linebackers. One of these corn-fed white boys that's going to make a play. That don't care about their body. That's going to make a play. That is what I want in my linebacker, and that's what Leo Chanel is. 6'3", 250 pounds. And while I watched him on film and watched him throughout you know, college football season, I thought he was a tad bit limited athletically. This is a guy that ran a 4'5", 40 at the combine. And while I can, while I, I, I was going, I was willing to pull up, put up with the, with the limited athleticism if he had it because he showed me with his mental processing and things like that, that's not going to be an issue. At the Mike linebacker position. This is a guy that once he reads. He's probably the hardest hitter in the draft. Regardless of position. Violent hands. Shares blockers amazingly. Tyler Lindenbaum. Who is probably the best offensive lineman in the entire class. He won't go one because he's not a tackle. He's a center. But Wisconsin line Leo Chanel up in the A gap against Tyler Lindenbaum. Over and over again. The best center in the entire class. In the entire country. And Leo Chanel had his fair share of wins. He had a lot of wins if you ask me. Blowing up the best center in the country as a linebacker. Freak. Grown ass man. Dog. In the fourth round. I don't think this guy's going to be here. But he was there on the simulator. Tight end Jelani Woods. Out of the University of Virginia. 6'7", 260 pounds, 4'6", 140. Freak. This is a guy that played quarterback. So he's the perfect protege for Logan Thomas. 
especially in this office. I don't know if you guys have have seen. I don't know if you guys have paid keen attention, but in the 2020 season, and you know he wasn't as successful. But when he did have his success in the 2021 season, when healthy, Logan Thomas wins a lot on option routes. And I think a lot of that comes with his smarts, you know, being a former quarterback, knowing when to sit in on the zone, knowing how to stem. Um, if you don't know what an option route is, it's when, you know, the receiver has a choice on which route to run based off of the coverage that he's facing. Um, and him and the quarterback have to be on the very same page. And the, the receiver or the tight end needs to know how to read coverages and things like that to be on that same page with the um, quarterback. And, you know, with Logan Thomas being a former quarterback, he's really good at that. Jelani Woods is a former quarterback as well. This is a guy who's a four-star um, recruit, uh, quarterback recruit, going to the um, University of Oklahoma State, where he eventually, you know, blew up. This is a guy that looks like a left tackle, and he's he split out wide. He's split in line. He's more of a move tight end, but with that size and, and you know, with the one-two, I think he can be a pretty effective blocker, but we don't even need him to with a guy like John Bates. This is a guy that I can see dominating up the seams like he did in the ACC this year with pretty poor quarterback play. So in the fourth round, we get our tight end of the future, Jelani Woods. In the sixth round, with pick 189, we get a 6-2 corner out of the University of Southern California and Isaac Taylor Stewart. Like I said, this is a big corner. He had a 4-4-1-40. And this is a guy who, you know, over at Carolina and, you know, just just Coach Ron Rivera's history. He's known to keep him a big DB, whether that be an agent, you know, Charles Tillman, whether that be Josh Norman, whether that be James Bradbury. These are guys who, you know, not all of them had the highest, you know, draft pedigree. But Coach Rivera just is known to keep a big corner on his roster. And this is one that, that fits the bill. And while he wasn't necessarily the most productive player in college, the physical tools are there. And if he can get coached up and developed with his size and his measurables and his speed and things like that, and he becomes more aware in coverage, I think he can turn out to be a pretty decent player. Keeping it in the secondary with the 230th pick, with the seventh round pick, we draft Marquise Bell, safety out of FAMU, formerly of Merlin. And I know a lot of people hear that HBCU and say, oh, fam, you played at an HBCU. He must not be able to play at this level. False. This is a four-star recruit that, you know, was well, went to the University of Maryland. Never played a game. Got in a, got in a little bit of trouble. But let's not, act, let's not act like the talent isn't there. And just like Isaac Taylor Stewart, he brings you NFL size. At a 6'2", a 212-pound safety that runs as a 4'4", And what I like about Bell is his willingness to stick his nose in there. Now, like I said, that was on the lower level, so I'm hoping he's just as willing once he hits the NFL, having to tackle tanks and things like that. But I love his prospects, and I think that this is a guy that can make the back end of the roster and contribute on special teams along with Taylor Stewart as well. And then with our 239th pick, our last pick in the seventh round, we draft a running back Abram Smith. From Baylor, and this was pretty good value. This is a guy who has like late fifth, early sixth round value. So to get him with the 239th pick, it's really good. It's really good. And this is a guy who um, weighed in at six feet, 215 pounds, which shocked me because he's a bruiser type of back. And I think this is one of the rare cases where coming in a little, little lighter, 
um, didn't, didn't hurt his draft stock a little bit because, like I said, it doesn't fit the type of back that he is. He isn't the shiftiest. Uh, this is a former linebacker. So, like I said, he, he runs very physical. He's willing to stick his nose in there. Um, and, you know, he's a guy that can come in and compete with a guy like Jared Patterson for, the, you know, that third running back role with us, you know, featuring Antonio Gibson once again and re-signing J.D. So that was it for our first Jamar draft, along with our wide receiver rankings. So thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe on all of our videos on our YouTube page. If you're listening to this audio only, we're available on all podcast platforms at this point. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify specifically, be sure to um, leave a rating, leave a review. Let's finesse these algorithms so that anything that you're looking for, Washington Commanders, Bleeding B&G is your number one content source that comes up. You know, we're finessing these algorithms. I want to be the first thing that comes up whenever you look for anything Washington Commander. Also, if you're not checking us out on our social media pages, be sure to check us out on our Instagram. Our Instagram is at Bleeding B&G. That's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G-B-N-G. Our Twitter handle is spelled a tad bit different. That's at Bleeding BNG, B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. So there's only one G in our Twitter handle. And be sure to check those pages out. Like I said, we pushed this mock draft out two days ago on our Instagram page. Daily discussions. You know, we, we give our hottest of hot takes over there on Twitter. Disturb some conversation because we love commuting with our, communicating with our Washington Commander family. And if you love this episode of the Bleeding, B, Bleeding BNG podcast, be sure to subscribe. I'll check in on you guys later because the draft is here and we're coming with a lot more fire coverage, a lot more fire content leading up to the draft. This is some of my favorite times of the year and I hope it's yours. Peace.